Hi, it's Bob from Royal Spa. Soaking in a hot tub full of Epsom salts is the absolute best way to minimize everyday aches and pains. And we know all about Epsom salts at Royal Spa. Royal Spa hot tubs are the only hot tubs on the market that can safely and effectively use Epsom salts. Made right here in Indiana, Royal Spa hot tubs are the highest quality hot tubs on the market. Visit any one of our three Indianapolis locations or visit royalspa.com. Ah, Royal Spa. Halfway through the 1 o'clock hour here, or the noon hour, I should say, halfway to 1 o'clock on a Monday, Jake Quarry along with Jimmy Cook, Eddie Garrison. Over the weekend, a yin and yang for Indiana Athletics because really a disappointment after a furious comeback against Illinois. I was listening to Don Fisher almost incredulously call that touchdown and the two-point conversion and thinking, here we go to overtime, and then obviously Illinois gets the win. Then yesterday, basketball against Army. Don, I'm going to begin with this. Um, I will be open about the fact that from a coaching, not a personality, but from a coaching standpoint, you know, I've been pretty hard on Tom Allen of late, but you and I were able to, uh, and you were honored, rightly so, we were able to go to a breakfast for Daymar, which is, a, of course, an organization that helps people find their ability within disabilities, if you will. And Tom Allen has been a real friend to that organization. And I just thought it would be worth mentioning off the top because we were able to kind of celebrate that at the end of last week. Just the kind of individual away from the football wins and losses that Tom Allen has been as a friend for some of those that most need it here in Indiana. Well, there's no question. And you just take away the football aspect of it, whether you're pro Tom Allen guy or a con Tom Allen guy, just from a personal standpoint, you're just not going to find a finer person. He's one of the really, really nice people. He's a tough guy and a very enthusiastic type of coach. But at the same time, he has all the qualities you want and uh, a dad, a father-in-law, uh, <laughs> whatever, whatever you point out from a personality standpoint, Tom Allen is a number one, and there's no question about that. And obviously his support of Damar is phenomenal, uh, and they gave him the award. Not me. I accepted the award on his behalf, but, but I was there for a Q&A type thing with you, and, and it was a fun day and fun morning uh, without question. But as far as Tom Allen, the person goes, you're just not going to find a, a finer human being. And Don, the the disappointment, if you will, because you knew going into that game against Illinois that Indiana, you know, you go three and zero in three pretty winnable games with Illinois and then Michigan State and Purdue, um, that they still had bowl eligibility in front of them. And I thought credit to Indiana when they seemed to be down and out against Illinois, the way they fought back to force the overtime. But then the disappointment of that. How does a team bounce back from that? Well, that's the question you'd have to ask the coach and you'd have to ask the players because I'm not sure I can answer it uh, in any positive fashion because it's a crushing blow. when you Literally, Indiana, uh, in the first, uh, oh, what, 18, 20 minutes of the ball game, probably played as well as they played this year. And actually, they played pretty well offensively throughout that contest. I mean, they had their best game of the season from a – the yardage perspective, uh, they picked up 451 total yards of this game. Brendan Soresby played terrific. Uh, the offense did what it had to do. Donovan McCulley was special in this in, in the game from a wide receiver's perspective. Uh, but the defensive play and, and the defense, look, they have held the defense has held this team in ball games the last two weeks. Uh, when the game was on the line against Wisconsin last week. 
uh, they they made all the plays that were necessary to win that football game. Uh, and then this past week, uh, there was just no excuse why Indiana's defensive backfield couldn't defend better than it did. I, I don't know what the answer is there, but the defensive backfield struggled mightily against the quarterback, John Paddock, who was a transfer from Ball State, and got his first start against Indiana after being the hero the week before in the final minute and 25 seconds, leading them to a touchdown that won the game over Minnesota. And this kid went for 507 yards passing in the game and, and just went crazy on Indiana. And uh, to me, it just doesn't make any sense because the defensive backfield this year has played pretty well most of the time. And sure, they give up some big plays now and then, but the big plays given up in this game were monstrous. I mean, they probably had 20 plays of 15 to 30 yards in this ball game or more. And uh, you just can't have that. So, Honestly, it's disappointing to say the least. Uh, and now, how do you get a ball club back after knowing that no longer are you bowl eligible or have the chance to become bowl eligible? Let's put it that way. Uh, with two games to go, you've got two trophy games, Michigan State for the old brass platoon and the old oak and bucket against Purdue. But, man, what a crushing blow that was to uh, Indiana last week after getting it uh, tied up and sending it to overtime and then falling. Don, you know it stinks and you know, Coach Allen's hurting with it. We heard his comments with you post game, and regret is the worst enemy of a coach. When you look back at what could have been on a season, and yeah, like you mentioned, they have two trophy games left. But when you look at the last three weeks, what has changed about this group compared to struggles against Louisville, which doesn't look like a bad loss anymore, a ninth ranked team in the country? Struggles against Rutgers, against Maryland. What what changed with this team? that has made them a competitive, in-every-ball-game type bunch the last three weeks? Well, if you think about it, it, it has to be Brandon, Brandon Soresby as much as anybody. I mean, the defense really turned it around against Penn State, played well in that ball game, played well against Wisconsin. Uh, but Brendan Soresby is taking a step up each of the last four ball games of the season uh, as the starter in this football team, and he has his best performance this past week against Illinois. Um, and he ran the ball well on top of that. And, and actually, the offensive line did a nice job of run blocking this ball game because Indiana had solid yardage in that standpoint. So it's a team that made progress. And the, the huge disappointment here is that the side of the football that probably had played as well as any this season on a consistent basis was defensive play for the most part. And that just didn't happen in this game against Illinois in the final three quarters. Don Fisher is our guest, the voice of the Hoosiers. He joins us here on Query and Company. Don, switching to basketball, I thought you said something uh, during that Q&A that we did, pretty prophetic. And for those that didn't hear it, you were just saying that from the basketball standpoint that you thought perhaps this year, maybe even more than, than years past, there was going to be a longer acclimation period of roster for Indiana. And by that you got a lot of new faces, and just kind of the gelling of that might take a while. Are we still kind of seeing that before our eyes? Because it seems like now a couple different games and a couple of different guys that kind of step forward and others that let that happen. How long does it take before you truly will know what kind of team we have here? Well, it's it's gonna we're gonna find out pretty quickly because <laughs> after Wright State on Thursday night, who is a good a good basketball program too, and and that will not be an easy game. 
But then they step right into the fire against Connecticut next Monday in the Empire Classic in the first game of that event uh, and playing a second game against either Texas or Louisville, uh, who plays in that other matchup to, to start the thing on Sunday. So, Honestly, uh, I think this is a, I think it's a work in progress. I don't think it's going to happen quickly. I don't think we're seeing uh, what Mike Woodson wants to see from a defensive standpoint right now. I don't, but more than that, the offense is not doing the job. Uh, it looks, I don't want to say discombobulated, but it looks like the ball sticks too much. There's not enough ball movement. Uh, there's not enough passing to get guys open. Uh, there's not enough sharing of the basketball at this point. And you watched uh, in either of the last two ball games against Florida Gulf Coast or against Army, Mike Woodson, who wants to play almost a two-platoon system, he wants to have 10 guys that can play, he's really shortened his bench pretty dramatically in these two first two ball games of the season after they got going because uh, they were bringing in guys that, you know, when, when the starters or the two or three starters that he hasn't played as much of late, um, weren't playing as well as he wanted to. He had to bring guys off the bench. And there's no way to two platoon when you've only got six or seven guys right now that you're trusting out there. And I think that's the big issue with this ball club right now. And it's primarily because they are new. There's, I mean, there's six new faces on this team. You lost four starters from a year ago. We've, we've talked about that on, on ad nauseum at this point. But the fact of the matter is they are nowhere where they need to be at this point. And I know Mike Woodson's frustrated with it because they've been practicing and practicing hard here for the last several weeks to get ready for the start of the season. And it hasn't looked like they've practiced much at all from an offensive perspective. Khalil Weir to me, or Khalil Ware, I should say, um, Don, is really intriguing. I mean, for those unfamiliar, seven-footer was a huge recruit at Oregon. We have talked about the fact that Dana Altman – he fell out of favor there, maybe just due to lack of motor, to use that phrase. But I thought he has been, or I have found him to be impressive so far. Yesterday, 9 of 11 from the floor. What have been your overall impressions of Ware? Well, I don't think there's any question. He has a tremendous skill set. Uh, he, he can handle the ball. He can put it on the floor. You don't want him to do it all the time. You're seven foot. Um, and he's not the fastest guy in the world. But he has shown his skill level with his shooting ability, with his passing ability. Uh, we know he can block shots because of his size, and he did that in the first matchup. Not so much in the second, but still the opportunities were there. Uh, his rebounding wasn't as good in the second game as it was in the first. He had a double-double in the first game with 13 points and 12 rebounds, I think it was. Uh, in this game against Army, uh, which had a little big, with bit, bit bigger ball club, he had uh, six rebounds, but he did score 20 points, and he was nine of 11 in the shooting department with two or three at the free throw line. So he did a really good job in that asset. I think he really, the one thing he's working on, and I've interviewed him, the one thing he's working on is getting stronger. He's just got to get physically stronger. I think that's a key, especially when you get into Big Ten play against some of these physical specimens he's going to go up against. That'll be a key. But he is an intriguing figure. He's got the talent level. He's got the skill set to be a tremendous player. Uh, he, he probably needs to play a little bit harder, work a little bit harder at the defensive end sometimes, but he's working at it. And I can see an improvement just from watching the practices, the few that I've seen so far this year. Uh, I've seen him improve almost every time I've watched him. So I think that's a real positive sign. Voice the Hoosiers, Don Fisher is our guest. Don Xavier Johnson highlighted them not playing as hard 
in these early two games they are from a practice standpoint. Coach Woodson highlighted trust being an issue. They got to buy into one another, trust one another. 18 turnovers last night against an Army team that was last in a lot of defensive categories. Uh, to kind of build off of Jake's earlier question, it, is it as simple as that? I mean, I know Coach Woodson and what he wants out of this team isn't simplistic, but is it as simple as just getting familiar with one another and showing effort not just in practice but on the court while trusting each other at the same time? Well, I don't know if it's that simple, but there, there's there's got to be there's got to be an effort level. Uh, there's got to be a team level, if you know what I'm saying here. It's it's not an I game; it's a we game. Um, this ball club right now doesn't move the ball or share the basketball like I think that they need to, and I think that's probably the same scenario that Coach Woodson's talking about uh, in in the way the offense is playing right now. And the other end of the floor, the defensive guy, the guys that are not playing the minutes that you thought that they might, uh, Mackenzie and Baco, and and uh, perhaps uh, I'm I'm trying to think who the other oh CJ Gunn who had looked good in practices earlier on, uh, even last night Anthony Walker didn't get to play as much. It's it's about effort. It's about believing uh, or knowing, understanding what the coach is asking you to do out there. And I think a big part of that right now is a part of the learning process for some of these guys that are new to the program. Don, I've seen a lot of, in particular, former players from Indiana kind of tip the cap. And I've heard so much about, even before he arrived, the play of Gabe Cups. And it's interesting to me because he plays 22 minutes last night. He's one of those, and I know this is a cliche, he does the things you don't see in the box score. Because you look at the box score and it doesn't blow you away. But people have been very impressed by just kind of the intangibles he brings. If you had to, you know, verbalize or put into words kind of the impact or the kind of player that he can be or that Mike Woodson envisions for him, what do you see out of the freshman from Ohio? Well, the thing I like most about him is just how hard he plays and how tough he is and what a competitor he is on the floor. That, to me, is the most impressive thing about the young man. He played 22 minutes last night. He was two for five from the field, one for four from the three-point line, so nothing big there. Five total points, had a couple of assists. Uh, He did have a couple of turnovers, but he played so hard. And when he comes into the game, you can see a difference uh, of how he goes about his business out there in comparison with some other guys. Uh, there is no let-up in him when he gets on the court. He is just one of those guys that's relentless from a defensive standpoint, and he's smart as a whip when it comes to how to play the game. He moves people around when they need to be moved, that kind of thing. And he does it in a way that I think helps his teammates, and it's not a negative for him. I mean, it's not negative uh, on they how they approach him because he does it in a way that they understand. So I – I'm just really impressed with the kid. I know he's he's not going to light up the statistic sheet all that much, uh, at least probably here in his first year in Indiana. But he is a special player in that regard because his basketball IQ is so high. Inside Indiana basketball, you can hear it tonight, 7.05 on this station. Then we go to the football side of things on Wednesday. Again, from a basketball scheduling standpoint, it is Indiana and Wright State. That game, now this says Don the 16th. I can't do the quick math in my head. That is Thursday Thursday night, Indiana and Wright State. Uh, And then again, Connecticut is going to be a big one upcoming as well. Don, appreciate the time as always. Thanks for having me, guys. Appreciate it. Don Fisher, the voice of the Indiana Hoosiers. 
Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. Now, Mike Chappell is here to talk to us about the Colts and Patriots game yesterday, the Colts season in general. Chapp, of course, has covered every season that the Colts have spent here as the Indianapolis Colts, doing so currently for CBS4 and WXIN Fox 59. Um, Chap, I have a burning question that I have like various answers that have been sent to me about yesterday that has nothing to do with the game, and I'm going to put you on the spot by asking you this exact question. Are you ready? Okay. Yep. Okay. So the Colts presumably chartered to Germany for their game against the Patriots in Frankfurt. And then after the game, Shane Steichen said in the locker room, we'll see you guys a week from Monday. I'm under the impression or just kind of the gut feeling that they still, because they chartered there, would have to all have chartered back here and then go on about their merry way. Or is it possible that players from Germany were then free to go do whatever they wanted to and that some stayed over in Europe for vacation purposes on the bye? Oh, I think they came home and then they're, I mean, the idea that you'd have players stay over there and then on their own dime have to come home doesn't make a lot of sense. I mean, maybe, maybe, but I know it's it's my impression they all come home and they get back to the airport and get, I think they shuttle probably to to the team complex and then they're, Get the week off. I I just I guess if a player wanted to stay, maybe I guess I don't know. I, I know I think you go and come, and then then you're on your own. So the bye maybe week. Wrong. Does the bye week usually start on that Monday, or do they do things on Monday, Tuesday, and then kind of it begins on Wednesday? No, I I, I, I think they're done. I, I think that that's what he was saying is there's no team activities until a week from today. Okay. So uh, you know, they, and they, it, it's they were in that time when they have victory Mondays. You know, like. Team, teams do so they wouldn't have been in if they played next week they wouldn't be in until Wednesday anyway but this is no they've got the they got the week off I, I I guess if you're a player that had some juice you could say you know I'm going to stay here with my family is that okay and maybe but that's not the way it's done generally the the elephant in the room here what is your level of concern about the play of Shaquille Leonard well, if you're going somewhere else, but that that's good. Uh, on a scale of one to ten, being very concerned, probably an eight. I thought yesterday was one of his weaker games, Le- weaker, less effective games. Uh, which you know, it, it's it's. I, I when we talked to Gus Bradley, it's probably about a, about a month ago. It's when he gave us the November. That's when we sort of expect to have him back and be full go and and be as close to his what he's can be as he'll be. And I and I so okay, I said okay, fine. And I thought Sunday was not good. I mean he had and the problem is that he's under the microscope now, so when he misses a tackle, your mind says, Well, what was up with that? Remember he he had the whiff on uh, Zeke Elliott on yeah. that screen pass. It went for like you know, nineteen yards. Well I, I guess if if Zaire Franklin misses that tackle, you think, okay, well, this is different. This is this is your guy, and this is a guy that has been lobbying, I guess is the best word, for more playtime. You know, it's one of those. Well, how can I how can I make splash plays if I'm not out there when splash plays are made are there to be made? Well, 
yesterday was a good chance for that. So, yeah, I, I, I'm concerned, and I, I just don't see – it's going to take such a dramatic change in level of effectiveness over the last seven games for it to be a very, very quiet offseason regarding Shaq Leonard for a lot of reasons. Chap, do, do you feel like with Shaquille Leonard, is it – and maybe the the answer here may be C, both of the above, but if you had to lean towards it, his his dip in effectiveness, is it A, his body is not cooperating with him to be able to have that extra 2% that made him special, or B, psychologically, because his body denied him for so long, he has that apprehension to find that extra 2% within him? Well, I'm going to take him in his word. I'm going to say A. Or what you say, was it A or one? Was it A and B? <laughs> <The> <laughs> That's first, right. The first one. The first one. Because he's told us that he, he that he, he has confidence and this that and the other. So I, I think it's that that those two surgeries, you know, two back surgeries in five six months apart. I think it is it has taken something from him. Now whether that's something that you know, so many times, although it was really more, you know, in, in you know ten fifteen years ago where. You're not really back until that next year. You know, the next year, a year after you come back, really, is when you gain, regain things, maybe. But I think he's physically not capable of doing what he used to do, whether whether it's a, being a half a tick slow, whether it's not having quite the strength. I don't know, but but he, he just looked – he's looked – just a just a tick slow in reaction, uh, and I just have to believe that's surgery related. Which is, if that's the case, it's just a shame because his first four years were as good as it gets. The dean, so Mike, I, I, my ahead. bad, chap. No, go ahead. I'm sorry. Well, and it's too bad because again, the tra- trajectory he was on was really sky's the limit, and so we've seen through the course of the Colts' history that injuries rob players of of something that might be really special maybe that happens again maybe maybe he recaptured that next year but there's not a chance in hell that they're gonna see this season go as it's going and say yeah we'll we'll pay you that whatever it is a 20 million dollar cap hit next year it's not gonna happen so i i just don't know how this thing's gonna end nicely uh for Shaq. Mike Chappell of Fox 59 and CBS 4 is our guest. Chap, I broke it out last week, so I already have the clinically insane hat on. But I broke out the playoff simulator because it's just the way my brain works. And the Colts could afford to go 5-2 and two over their next seven. Seven games to play and have like a 75-80% chance to make the playoffs. Now, Jake right. and I are going to talk about this a little bit later in the show. I don't want to waste your time with this. So the short version is, around this time of year with the team they are, I don't see the full advantage of them getting to the postseason other than it would make the fans happy, the city happy. I think they're a one-and-done team. That said, is it fair of me to say I am willing to lament on that take, but I need to see how they look against Cincinnati first? Not even beat Cincinnati, because I don't have them winning that game in this model, but I need to see how they look against Cincinnati because of anybody else they play, that is probably the most competent offense left on their schedule. Is that fair? Yeah, I mean, if it's five and two, I, I, 
the two you lose are probably Cincy and Houston. If you, if you look at that, I mean, because C.J. Stroud is playing lights out. But I, I, I guess it just depends on what you need to see. I mean, I don't know what I would see against Cincinnati to say, and if they get in, they can win a game or two. I, I just don't see this team having that kind of juice to where if, if they find a way to get in. And, and I'm telling you, they can get in. Oh, I'm with you. AFC, I'm with you. What's it? Yeah, I, I just think the AFC is such a muddled mess right now. Uh, you got to hope that the AFC North beats each other up so that so that everybody doesn't get in. But uh, yeah, I I don't know what I, I, I to me it's beyond time to say you know they need to start losing so they can help their right that that you know the draft thing is to me they 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 won too many for that to really matter. I think any if they could find a way with the third tiebreaker to get in by beating Houston, I mean the the pluses would be so immense in this first season with a new coach that you believe is the guy without your quarterback, without your guy would be truly incredible. I don't think it's going to happen. I just don't. You can't, you can't win. You you can't win consistently with 250 yards on offense and one touchdown. It can't happen. They're not that good everywhere else, but I think it'd be a cool story. And, but I, 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 I don't know what they need, what they can show me against Cincy to really say, yeah, maybe because they're they're just not they're not equipped to be that competitive against high level teams. I don't think. Whether it's audiobooks or all time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob two hundred milligrams at kisqali dot com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Mike, in the beginning of the conversation, I started talking about Shaq Leonard. You said you thought I was going to go a different direction. Yeah. Um, I'm assuming you thought I was going towards Gardner Minshew. Is that <laughs> Yeah, correct? I did. <laughs> okay. So here, here's the question. I'm going to ask you the same question I asked Jimmy at the beginning of the program. At the beginning of the year, Anthony Richardson, or excuse me, Shane Steichen and Chris Ballard hold a press conference and they say, we love Anthony Richardson. We love everything about him. Uh, but we we want this to be his internship year, so he is going to hold a clipboard, listen to headsets, and Gardner Minshew is our guy. If they'd have said that in week one, you would have predicted their record this year to be what? Well, initially I thought they would have won more games with Minshew than Richardson because I didn't think Richardson was that quite was quite that ready. Right, and and he was, and he was. Uh, five wins, and and here we are with five wins. Okay, the reason I say it that way is because here they are. They're in the hunt. Now, that donut tire might be starting to blister a little bit. Yeah, I think so. But to me, Gardner Minshew has done, to this point, what it is that you would have hoped that he could do. It's just that you're now asking him to do perhaps more than what his initial job description was, as weird as that sounds. Why are we hard on Gardner Minshew? Well, because he's got to play better. And you're right. You're right. Uh, it's just it's been about a month ago and everybody was, this is the best backup quarterback in the NFL and all of this. And we don't need to spend 20 minutes trashing Gardner Minshew. That's not the point. That's not to think he's got to play better. He, he there's not. We're going to see these stack lines like we had the last couple of weeks and with Jacksonville until they throw the ball down the field consistently. I mean, he threw for whatever it was yesterday, just short of 200 yards, 
And I'm telling you, his receivers bailed him out. You know, Josh Downs and, and Pittman and uh, the, the great catch by Alec Pierce. It, it For a quarterback to not be sacked and to be credited with one hit against him, he ran around like, like you know, they were blitzing four guys. So he's just got to, I guess, settle down. And he's got to he's got to just be the game manager that I think he's equipped to be. But until they can be competent in the pass game, then you can't be who you are. You can't be the team that's going to run the ball come hell or high water. Because I don't care how good the backs are, or and I think the lines play pretty well. It's just hard when there's always more people to block than than, than you've got. And, you know, even Jonathan Taylor's touchdown yesterday on four down, holy smokes, it took him, you know, I mean, patient, patient to the right, and it finally took Kylie Granson, you know, getting the good block. So you're right. You're right. It's This is this is probably what you would expect from the start if Minshew got in there for the long term. This is probably what you expect. What's kind of blurred it was the two good games against, what was it, Houston and – Tennessee, that he came off the bench and played really, really well. But right now, teams are totally game planning for a Minshew-led offense. And, and right now, they're saying, hey, if you if you can beat us passing the ball, knock yourself out. But number 28's not beating us. And, and you know, how, how they get out of that, I don't know. They've, they've simply got to be more efficient throwing the ball. I'm not saying air it out all over the place, but you've got to have some threat of throwing the ball competently. You know, we're back We're back to Jacoby Bursett football. And I know how much we all complained about the dink and dunk, and although, although really Bursett was a little more efficient, I think, uh, except when it came to pushing the ball down the field. So, yeah, it's just that he's no longer the backup. He's a starter. And you need your starter to play – Better, more, more, more efficient, I guess. Uh, and he's always been a 65, 66% thrower, and that's, he's not getting that done now. The interception yesterday was awful, just awful. When, when, when you've got a game that's going to be like it is, you cannot, you cannot do what the Patriots did with those two got awful interceptions. So it, he, he's got to play better. And that's, you know, again, I agree with you that he's playing probably like everyone anticipated. You know, in, in August, if you say he's going to play a lot, and say, "Well, this is what we're going to get because this is who he's been." But now that he's now that he's a guy, he's got to play better. And I, I think, however they do the rest of the season, obviously it depends on how well, how, how much he can lift his game—not a bunch, but just a little bit—because he's, he's got to play better. You know, it's interesting, Mike, when you look at because there is that school of thought. Of okay, like Jimmy, to your point, if they're not going to make a run in the playoffs, then at some point you start playing again for draft position because you need pieces around Anthony Richardson. Except, chap, the reality is, you know, when it comes to good draft picks, I mean, with Tennessee in the league and Denver in the league and the Giants in the league and the Bears in the league and the Panthers in the league and the Cardinals in the league and you know the Patriots in the league, I, there's kind of no you're point. Looking, you're in, looking top. You're looking best best bet a top ten pick. Maybe. Correct. Correct. Right. So like at this point, you might as well get some. You know, get right. get some of that under your belt. But um, the other thing about yesterday, I was curious about your thought on. 
they obviously were able to get to Mac Jones. They, the Colts yesterday might have. There's there's not a thing from yesterday's game, truthfully, that a year from now any of us are going to want to look back and talk about. But is it possible? You know, maybe they ended the Mac Jones in New England era, but did they get to Mac Jones and rattle him because this defensive line and the pass rush that Chris Ballard has tried to build is finally coming together? Or was that as much about New England's offensive line ineptitude and Mac Jones? Probably a little bit of both. I mean, along with the Mac Jones era being done, I mean, that that could have gone a long way towards the Bill Belichick era as well. Right, because he's not going to – I was saying earlier, chap, the reality is for Belichick, if you're, if you're Bill Belichick and you look at it and you go, okay, now I know this guy that I thought maybe we could build around has been exposed – you know, is Bill Belichick really going to want to like suddenly now go and find himself a young quarterback and have to build around it and wait? Now you're talking two to four years before you really get your footing. I mean, at that point, he's got to be checked out, right? Well, it's kind of like the argument you you posed last week, a couple of weeks ago, is if you're Robert Kraft, do you trust Bill Belichick to do that? Right. His drafts have not been good. Correct. I mean, Mac Jones was his guy. So, uh, yeah, it, it's a really good question. So, so yeah, I just – if you don't trust him to, to – it's, it's kind of funny. I saw part of the interview with Kraft yesterday. So this is this is greatly disappointing. And, you know, in my 30 years, I've never been 2-7. and seven. Well, yeah, you were in 2000. So, you know, <laughs> well, so we rewrite history. So – but, but that, that, that's what's interesting about all this is if they – if it's not going to be just a tweaking in New England. It's going to be a blow-up. If you're going to blow it up, do you, do you do you let the guy who put you in position to to be you know to have it blown up help you rebuild it? So, but 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 on the Colts pass rush, encouraged. I mean, the fact that Dio went out there and had three sacks in about 18 minutes was encouraging. Uh, I think I think the Colts secondary is playing a little better, which has given the pass rush a little bit more time. But I, I wish people outside Indy would really pay attention. To DeForest Buckner, he's just kicking ass up front, and it's it's opening things up for other players. And when that happens, that's when the other players have to step up and and play well. And that and that's what Dio did. Quiddy got him a sack, and and Tyquan Lewis both you know left the game early with injuries and came back. So that's encouraging. It's just what what's bothered me about the Colts' pass rush the last this year and last year was it it's hit and miss. You know when they really when they're on they they really you know, they had six this early this season against uh, Stroud I think it was, but then like last year they it just goes away, and you can't have that. It'll help to get Grover Stewart back. I, I've lost track how much more time he's got another game or two, because they're getting run to death, and they can't they can't allow that to happen. But what's really encouraging is when we're talking about the rest of the season, the seven games, and this that and the other. They only face really two, you know, really top quarterbacks with with Burrow and Stroud, and the rest of them are just guys. I mean, Baker Mayfield shouldn't scare anybody. And they're, they're, it, it's we're we're going to be sitting here in December and think, man, if, if they only hadn't lost to, to, to the Browns and to the Saints, and look where they would be. Yeah, but that that's who these that's that's who this is. That's who this team is. It, it's a flawed team, and the fact they won these two games with two touchdowns is certainly not sustainable but it, it, it's a fun ride they're, they're they're at least interesting they're at least interesting so I, i'm curious where they go i just 
if they don't get better play from a quarterback, this defense is not good enough to win week after week after week. It's just not. So whatever they do the rest of the way, they've got to get better play from uh, Minshew. just have to. You know what's funny, Mike? You mentioned Stewart. When Grover Stewart, who's in a contract year, got the PED suspension, the overriding narrative, probably from me as well, was like, man, this could really hurt his contract negotiation. In a weird way, yeah. in a weird way, does this maybe help it? Yeah. But yeah, yeah. But we knew we knew his value. It's like whenever Buck is not in there. I mean, uh, the defense isn't nearly as good. Yeah, you're right. It just shows you. Yeah, we knew he was he was he was really important. And now we see how much he really is important. Uh, but a lot of these guys in contract years, Kenny Moore, Michael Pittman's sort of different. But a lot of these guys, it's going to depend on how how hard they're going to push to maximize their, their re-signing power. You know, I, I think Grover's a guy you bring back. I just do. I think Kenny Moore's a guy you, you try to bring back. I think they have more value to the Colts than they do on the open market. I, I just do. If, if the players are reasonable, whatever reasonable is. I mean, if I'm a player, I'm not giving a team a hometown discount. I'm, I'm, getting, I'm getting whatever the heck I can get. This will be their last big contract. Michael Pittman's different, and I tell you, Michael Pittman—he just—he—we've he, he, talked about this. He, he's like Miles Turner. You want more from Miles Turner, but that's who he is. This is sort of who Michael Pittman is, certainly with these with these quarterbacks. But he's—he's he, he's pretty good. He just is. He makes tough catches. You want more in the, in the vertical passing game, but I think he's really a key part of that offense. And boy, Josh Downs. Didn't practice last week and makes that 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 catch was huge. It, it flipped the field, and it wasn't an easy catch. So I, I, I like pieces around Minshew, but it, it, how they handle the off season on some of these guys is going to be really really interesting. Led by what they do and how they handle Shaq. With us, the Dean Mike Chapel of Fox Fifty Nine and CBS Four. Chap, I'm not going to use the carry distribution because I feel like that's probably unrealistic. 23 to 1 is the way things go between John and Taylor and Zach Moss. I'll use the snap counts instead. 50 to 9, that's workhorse level back numbers, yeah. kind of what we were used to in the previous Jonathan Taylor iteration prior to the contract holdout and prior to them keeping their word about revamping him up week after week. Regardless of what the rest of the offense does, and I get it, if teams are going to stack, then maybe they do have to air it out more. But is that about where you expect it to be the rest of the way for JT? I, well, I, I wrote like 10 days ago. I know I thought it was going to be 60-40. I thought they had sort of showed us it was going to be that way. But I, it, it's almost like it's game to game with these guys. It, it, you try to find a pattern, and then it's 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 different. You know, I, I thought it was really novel they had both guys out there in a split backfield on several plays. Uh, although Taylor got, you know, all but one of the carries. So I thought they'd use Moss more. Uh, maybe they will going forward. Uh, but but it, it was really strange that, that Taylor had, what was it, 23 carries and only got 69 yards. That just showed you how tough running it is. Normally if he gets 23 carries, he's going to break a couple. Didn't happen. I, 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 I just, I don't think they're going to forget Zach Moss, and, and they shouldn't. But 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 I go back to what I said. Unless they start showing some 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 ability to push the ball down the field and, and make people back off the line of scrimmage, 
you know, it's going to be hard to run. Now, even having said that, you should get more than 2.6 a carry. That's, that's just not – that, that that's just not sustainable at all. But I was a little surprised it was twenty three to one. I, I really was. I would be surprised if it remains that totally imbalanced. But again, I just think Steichen's sort of a week to week guy, and I'm curious how how that thing is moving forward. I really thought Moss would be more involved, not 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 so much in percentage of snaps, but in in touches, and that wasn't the case uh, in Germany. Mike. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. I wanted to go back to one other thing, kind of in conclusion here, and we've talked about this before, but I think it merits pointing out DeForest Buckner is a great player. And DeForest Buckner is one that came into a situation where there are a lot of great players that would have said, I don't necessarily want to be here for this. Trade me or let me hold out or whatever it may be. Can you just kind of speak to or illuminate for people that are not close to it the professionalism that he exudes by going in and playing at the level that he does despite the fact that he's on a team that probably at this point in the prime of his career is not a Super Bowl contending team and one that he you know he came from a situation like that I just think the guy deserves all the credit in the world for his approach and at least from my observation never once taking issue or having any problem at all with that locker room he's in no question now of course he's being paid handsomely so you know there are a lot of guys that get paid handsomely and that's not enough right true true and I think I think he could have gone in like Stefan Gilmore and said, you know, I, I I really need to be with the team. I really want to be with the team that's got a chance to do something. I don't want to be part of what might be a two or three year rebuild here. And I know I know Buck had a long conversation with Chris Ballard. Now, what wh- wh- whether 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 Ballard had to sort of talk Buck into staying or whether they were sort of on the same page, I don't know, but whatever Ballard said to him resonated with him. And, you know, it, it might have been, hey, we're not, we're not going to be, this isn't a three year rebuild. You know, bear with us this year, stick with us, and then, boy, next year we're going to see. But no, there's no question. He, and he's got not a lot of players, like, like Jonathan Taylor with his, with his hold in, whatever you want to call it, not a lot of players have the juice to do that. They just don't. Not a lot of players have you know, the clout to go in and say, like, Gilmore, hey, I really, you know, he was he might have been their best defensive player last year, and he he asked to be traded, and, and they, and they you know, agreed to do that. I'm one, If Buck had really gone in there and said, listen, I appreciate all you guys have done for me, the trade, the contract, and all this, but I'm just not willing, interested, whatever, to, to be patient, I, I need I, you know, the clock's ticking. I need to go somewhere, and they they would have gotten a pretty good package, I think, for Bucks. He again, he's top three or four in his position. So yeah, I, I don't think there's any question that first Ballard did a great sell job with him, whatever it was. Uh, but but then Buck is is he he's just kind of going to work, and he plays hurt. Uh, he 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 just does what you need. He's an anchor on that team. He could. It could have gone differently. It certainly could have. He could have really been a pain in the ass. Although that's, although that's not him. That's not him at his at his core. So he. I don't think he would have been that kind of a player. But he. I think he could very much have have uh, insisted, urged a trade, 
but he didn't. So, you know, kudos to him. Mike, appreciate you making time for us as always. Good talking to you each week, and we will set things off next week in the countdown of Tampa Bay. Enjoy the bye. Good and talk. Looking forward to it. Thanks, guys.